Welcome to Conversations with Healers, a podcast and video interview series that features intimate, soulful, and cozy conversations with self-healers and healers. Healer to healer, we dive into all aspects of self-healing and healing and being and becoming a healer. I am Damla Aktekin. I am a healer and the host of this podcast, and I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. If you are new to this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe so that you can be aware of new episodes. I also invite you to visit adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com, where I share a lot of free resources for self-healing and healing, and you can take a free quiz to find out what your energetic wounds are and how they may show up in your life. Discovering what your wounds are is the first step in healing them. I hope you enjoy this episode. There is one more thing I would like to share with you before you listen to this episode. I created a wonderful container to help you process the collective trauma of the pandemic and begin to heal your energetic wounds. It is an energy healing membership called Chakra Bliss Vault. Every month you will receive three new crystal healing sessions Plus, you'll immediately have access to my entire energy healing recording library when you sign up. The membership is really affordable and will continue to be so. You can find out more about it at adropofom.com, A-D-R-O-P-O-F-O-M.com. I invite you to make your healing a priority and invest in your well-being by becoming a Chakra Bliss Vault member. Hello everyone, this is Damla Aktikin with A Drop of Om, and I'm um, so delighted to have Julian Crossenhill here with me. And Julian is a spiritual life coach, human design specialist, which I'm so excited to talk about, um, yoga teacher, tarot reader, and a teacher of the goddess spirituality. Welcome, Julian. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. And I love starting with what your story is, meaning what in sort of big brush strokes led you to where you are now and to be doing what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been involved in spirituality. Um, I really, you know, embraced goddess spirituality and Wicca at an early age and got very involved in that community for a long time. But I've been a software engineer for you know 25 years, and during my engineering career, I always was teaching workshops on spirituality, doing this work you know as a side thing, basically often for free. Um, and it just occurred to me one day that you know maybe I should be like maybe this is really my calling and the reason that I'm here, the work that I'm meant to be doing. And that I should start finding ways to start to do that more. And so I started by studying yoga and I started teaching yoga. And through teaching yoga at various studios, I got asked to teach things on tarot and other topics. And then one of the per- people I knew said, you know, you're, um, 
you'd be a great coach. I want you, I want to hire you to be my coach. And I had never really looked at life coaching before, but my human design type is, is a manifesting generator and our strategy is wait to respond. So something about that, like kind of lit something up in front of, inside of me. And so I started looking into life coaching schools and that's kind of, you know, I got interested in coaching, went to school for it and kind of moved my business more in the coaching direction. I mean, I still teach and, you know, and I coach as well. So. So you did mention human design and you mentioned your type. I know from what the internet tells me, <laughs> I'm a, a projector, a splenic projector, uh -huh. if that makes sense. But for those of us listening who know nothing about human design, can you explain what it is and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So human design is a system that was delivered to Ra-Uruhu in 1987 during a supernova. Um, and so he heard a voice um, that he just called the voice and it gave him this system. And human design teaches us that there's sort of three parts of our form and human design is all about understanding how our form operates and how we interface with the quantum field. So there's our magnetic monopole, which is meant to be the driver of our vehicle. It's, it's that like spiritual, you know, some people could call it the soul or the higher self, but it's what sort of pulls us towards experiences and opportunities that are aligned for us. And then there's the design crystal, which creates our physical form and it creates all of the energetic circuitry in our form and how it operates. And then right before we're, we're born, we, the personality crystal comes in and it forms our conscious personality and how we sort of show up in the world. But um, it's really meant to be the passenger. You know, people always want to like think through decisions and do everything with the mind. And human design teaches that the mind is not the best evolved apparatus for making the most aligned and energetically aligned decisions for us, that we all have an inner authority. And you mentioned being a splenic projector. So your inner authority is splenic authority. Um, and so we don't use the mind as the authority. We use our inner authority. And it deals a lot with like getting in touch with the body and finding the body's own inner wisdom. And human design is all about really understanding what our personal narrative is, what is the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about how the world works, and what are the ways that that personal narrative is filtering the potential possibilities of the quantum field so that we don't see certain things as being possible, even though they are for us. What I'm curious about is, first of all, um, it's interesting to me on so many levels from what my little understanding is that there's a little bit of astrology there. There's some chakra wisdom. There's some Chinese wisdom there. Um, but I'd love to know what drew you to it. How did you know? And also what did it tell you about yourself? Yeah, Which absolutely. So I, I first heard about human design in my advanced life coaching class. Our instructor devoted one, um, one class to alternative techniques that coaches might use. And she talked to, about a lot of different things, NLP being one, you know, strength finder, different personality assessments that get used in coaching and human design. And, you know, she just really briefly mentioned human design. And for some reason, I was obsessed. Like, it just really spoke to me on a soul level. And I was like, I have to find out more. 
So I took some classes with the International Human Design School, including Living Your Design. And then I studied with Randy Lee, who's a coach who teaches a human design course, and then eventually moved on and got certified in quantum human design with Karen Curry Parker. And for me, what it really taught me was all the ways that I was working in a way that wasn't optimal for me. And that a lot of the things that I was finding frustrating in my life and in my business were because I was working in a way that isn't aligned for me. Um, so I'm a manifesting generator. And so our strategy is to respond to things in the environment, not to initiate things. And if, you know, growing up, my father, who was also an entrepreneur, was always like, you've got to get out there and make it happen, go out and do it. And it was all about initiating and doing all of these things. So my whole life, I'd grown up trying to model that and just really being frustrated with it not working out for me. And so when I stopped trying to force things and really tapped into my, my design type and allowed things to come to me and, re, and allowed myself to respond to them, life just started to have a lot more flow and ease for me. And the other aspect of it is that manifesting generators, we're designed to multitask and we're very multi-passionate beings. And I always thought it was something wrong with me. Like I was ADD or that I couldn't focus because I had so many interests and I was doing so many things at once. I always thought that it was a flaw and now I understand that it's a strength of my design and I leverage it, you know, in my life and my business. So, you know, it was really um, revolutionary for me to discover human design. When you say like you're, you're sort of more waiting for that impulse versus initiating, can you give us this specific example of how you might receive an impulse? Yeah, so so the manifesting generators and generators, where there's two generator types, we are defined by the fact that um, our sacral center is is what we call defined in human design, which means that we generate a very consistent level and very high level of life force energy in our sacral center. And the way that generators move through life is that when things present themselves to them in the environment. Either someone asks them to do something, they read a news story, someone comments on social media, they have a sacral response. And that sacral response kind of makes a sound. It's like an aha uh -huh or a nah. -uh. Um, and so when they feel that like energy in their sacral, that's like, yeah, that really excites me. You know, sort of like when I first heard about human design, like that's how we respond. And then that tells us, okay, this is aligned for us, move forward, we can move forward and do this. Um, and that's kind of how generators move through life as opposed to like manifestors who are actually designed to create new things and just go out and initiate. Or you mentioned being a projector and projectors are about waiting for the invitation. They're, they're really meant to be invited by other people to do things. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, when you say waiting for an invitation, my response is like, it's, there's a little bit of a, what you described in being a generator, which is that impulse or the inspiration coming in. I don't know if that mm -hmm. counts as an, as an invitation, but that's sort of like, when I'm open to the question of like, what's next? there's sort of, there's an answer there that's waiting for me to tune into. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that has to do with, you know, I know my intuition works with like that moment to moment guidance, if that makes sense. Does that, 
relate to what you're discussing, like in terms of the invitation? Kind of. Is yeah, the- kind of. So, so you're a splenic, and splenic is about that like sudden pulse of intuition. So your authority is definitely based on that intuition, and authority sort of works with our strategy to decide what we're going to do. But projectors, what's kind of unique about projectors, and they're very unique type and kind of rare, um, is that they're really good at like, because they have a lot of openness in their chart, they really like see people very, very deeply. And they really amplify and magnify other people's energy, which really allows them to like, really like, look at another person and see what's going on with them. And so they're really designed and optimized, like their quantum purpose is really to guide other people in like, live like manifesting the energetic template of our time they're really designed to be like managers and guides and advisors and you know if you've ever given unsolicited advice you know that people don't always react well to that and so that's really what the wait for the invitation is about with projectors is that they're waiting for the invitation to you know guide and advise and and sort of work you know, get into someone else's energy and help them move forward or guide and and sort of help them um, guide and advise them in manifesting their best life as well. So, you know, projectors need that invitation because they really do get in there and they kind of like guide and advise. Yeah, I can speak to that. I don't like, I mean, occasionally I do, I can feel into people's energy fields and sort of gauge what's going on. And, um, I have to be really careful with friends and family in terms of not, <laughs> not <laughs> stepping on things too much or saying yeah. something that I see. Um, but I'd love to um, ask you, you, you know, I'm jumping from subject to subject, but when, when I found out about you, I have no idea how I found out about you. But the one thing that drew me to you was your website name, which was priest of inanna and inanna has a special place in my heart but i want to know how you came to that name what it means to you tell us a little bit about inanna and what it means to be priest of inanna yeah absolutely so i've I've been neo-pagan all my life which you know basically just means that my spirituality isn't grounded in Christianity. And generally, I look to older traditions and older gods and goddesses. And Inanna, um, I've always been fascinated with the Sumerian culture. Um, I was an art student with an art history minor as an undergrad, and Sumerian art was one of my particular passions. And I was always very drawn to the image of Inanna in art. Um, And also, growing up and, you know, eventually coming out as as a gay man, I really started to study what was the spiritual history of queer people. And Inanna had a priesthood that was largely made up of of gay men um, in ancient times. And there's a lot of um, mythology around Inanna that has sort of connotations of, you know, at least non-binary, if not queer. Um, like with her descent, Inki makes the beings that the Sumerian cuneiform actually says were neither male nor female, and they went and rescued Inanna from the underworld. And so I always saw Inanna as a particular patron goddess of LGBTQ people. And I just, you know, between her 
the art and the way she's depicted in Sumerian art and the many myths about Inanna, I've just always felt very, very drawn to her. And of course, as a neo-pagan, we don't have our own, we don't have clergy because every person is their own priest or priestess because they access God themselves. They don't need a middleman um, like some other religions do. I love that. Um, I think for me, when I first found out about the descent of Inanna, that was significant. So Inanna decides to go visit I mean th there are some other things in the story but she's going into the underworld where uh, her sister Ereshkigal <laughs> is the queen and in order to go to underworld or the land of the dead she needs to go through seven gates and she dresses up of course goddess-like and at, at each gate she needs to lay, leave one piece of garment one piece of jewelry and at the end she's completely naked and to me well there are a few things first of all comparing that to the story of the greek goddess persephone inanna chooses to go into the underworld to the darkness versus persephone was pulled into darkness and um and also there's something about like the number seven being related to the seven chakras and all of us being vulnerable in the face of death and in the face of some of the life's challenges, as well as um, there's something beautiful about letting go of all of those things to reach to the very depth of existence. And um, I always found that story just, just so beautiful on so many levels. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other really important part of that story, too, is that in order to rise again, to come out of the underworld and, and return as Queen of Heaven, she had to be laid low. So she, you know, gave everything up and became humble so that she could be elevated. And I think that's a really key part of that story as well. Yeah. And she got help for getting elevated. Yes. Right? Yeah. yes. And she got help because we all need help. Yes. Yeah. Um. So what does goddess spirituality mean to you now? Uh, it sounds to me like maybe Inanna was, was one gateway, but how does it appear in your life now? Yeah, so I still um, see myself as, you know, I don't know if, if Wiccan still really meets the term, but I'm still, I still definitely see myself as neo-pagan and I really view divinity as sort of three-sided, if you will, like there's, there's the divine in like that it's all encompassing, it's genderless, it's formless. And, you know, our human mind has a really hard time with that abstract vision of God, of it just sort of being out there and connected to everything and not really having any shape or form. So I still see divinity that way. But also, you know, I see each of us as having a kernel of God inside of us. And it's, you know, if you're formless and you have no form and no, extremes, how do you sort of understand your own nature? Well, you have to create opposites. And so God and goddess sort of spring from that formlessness as a way to see the comparison of the two. And so I still really sort of see that triad of, of the all or the one or the infinite intelligence, and then God and goddess as being like other emanations of it. And so goddess spirituality, you know, focusing particularly on goddess and the feminine, because I feel like we've moved that pendulum so far in our culture 
towards everything that's masculine, you know, the way we do business, the way most of us live, the things that we value, it's all super masculine. And so I think goddess spirituality is about swinging that pendulum back to the other side and really seeing the divinity and the feminine and finding that flow and that softness. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because um, it comes up in different ways. And sometimes there's the fierceness of the goddess. There's always the, you know, there's the, the nourishing soft part, but then there's the fierce part as well that occasionally needs to come out and wants to come out and that's that's okay too yeah absolutely i mean goddess is you know where it's not like where we have a separate evil deity and a good deity because the goddess is is really embodied in nature and nature is both creative and destructive and so is the goddess and so are we as people you know we have the both of the sides of our personality and so it's just sort of seeing more of ourselves in the divine really um, tell us about your work with spiritual coaching. And you mentioned that that was something you were sort of drawn to or pulled towards. And I know you talk about living a spiritually aligned life, as well as answering your unique calling. What do they, those mean? And how do we step into those things? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there's really sort of two parts. Um, so the first part is answering your unique calling, because I think that's huge. And so answering your unique calling is really all about what's the work that you agreed to do when you came here. Like, I really believe that each of us has sort of a pre-incarnation contract. You know, we come here with a mission um, of some work that we are, are trying to do in this lifetime, some big lesson that we're trying to learn, some something, some role that we're playing in like advancing the, the evolution of human consciousness and, and the evolution of our species. And so our unique calling is exactly that. It's that big mission. It's that thing that we're designed to do. And the, the word unique is in there because um, human design calls itself the science of differentiation. So human design is all about understanding what makes us different and unique and really like leaning into that. And so the whole idea here is, is that there's this calling that you have and you came here equipped with certain spiritual gifts and talents and skills and your life, you've had certain experiences that have led you, like prepared you to really step into this role and into this calling and do it. And so if you don't, no one else can, your calling is so like tailored to you that only you can really do it. And so my coaching is really geared at helping people step into that. And the, and the three main ways that people do that is they really make their career their calling. You know, people that work in not-for-profits and things like that, they, their work becomes their calling. There's people who do it on the side. You know, they do something outside of their regular, like their career is what pays the bills, but their calling is really what they're doing with the rest of their time. And then there's people who start what I call soulpreneur become soulpreneurs and a soulpreneur is someone leading a spirituality based business you know it's soul driven it's answering their calling through their business you know healers yoga teachers tarot readers coaches all different people are involved in that and so i mainly coach people who are either earlier in the process of really deciding what that call figuring out what that calling is and how they're going to answer it or the soulpreneurs i coach them as well 
and the spiritually aligned piece, the other piece of it is, you know, if you're stepping into living this calling, how do you align your life spiritually in a way to really maximize your impact in the world? And so, you know, obviously there's having a good spiritual core foundation, you know, the daily practices that you do, journaling, meditation, whatever it is for you. And then there's also, you know, we talk about alignment a lot in human design. So there's also that aspect of how do you use your design to help you move forward in answering this calling as well? So. Um, I love that in the sense that you broke it down into these three categories, because there's no one way of embodying that, obviously. Um, and I fall into the healer. I'm all in category. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go all in, see what happens. But, um, I think from my point of view, um, what I'm seeing and sensing into is because, um, there's a calling, yes, there's something that wants to come forth, but then it doesn't end there. It keeps evolving and changing and, and refining in different ways. And I know you're an example of that too, in terms of like weaving different tools and methods into what you're doing as you were describing at the beginning, like you were drawn to all these different things. I think it's important to tell people who are listening, who are sort of um, either interested in many things or they feel um you know they feel they haven't found their one thing yet some people are you know geared towards finding one thing like there's no set way of doing this maybe your way is doing those many things and maybe your way is sort of stepping into one thing and that's going to lead to another and so on so it keeps evolving and changing and um, it's a beautiful journey that way yeah, it, absolutely. It is a journey and it's a process. And I think that your calling evolves over time too. So, you know, um, when I was growing up, my mother, like her calling was really raising her children. And then when we grew up, you know, she really sort of struggled to figure out what to do with the rest of her life because she didn't really like continue to like explore that journey of what what was next for her and what her colleague might be in, in her later life. And so, you know, it is going to sometimes unfold very organically and not everyone is designed to be like, this is it. This is the direction you need to go in and, and just be like laser focused. Some people are really designed to sort of like take a step at a time. And, the, and that's totally, you know, totally valid and, and fine way to, to approach it. Yeah. Well, I'm a tarot reader as well. I love it. I'm curious to see how it how it plays into your coaching or human design. How does it come up for you and where does it fit in? Yeah, so I, I haven't been reading in a long time. Um, I kind of took a, a little hiatus from it. You know, I, when I was in my 20s, I, I, I read primarily. I mean, that's how I paid my rent was as a tarot reader. But um, I've started to sort of revisit it and I, I'm teaching some in-person classes on tarot here in the Dayton area um, in the coming months. And I've started to sort of lean more into it. So the way I do readings now today tend to be a sort of a 50-50 tarot reading um, coaching session because I, I'm, I'm pretty psychic. I can tell people, you know, in a reading things that I see and I, and I can hit things right on. But one of the things that bothered me with it is that people would come to 
get a reading and they would be looking for the answer, like, you know, for me to tell them what to do. And it just didn't really feel aligned for me anymore. So the way I read now is I sort of talk about what's in the cards, but then it's also a lot of open-ended questions. What's that bringing up for you? What's making this a challenging situation for you? And just really digging in so that it's sort of a coaching session with a tarot reading kind of mixed in there. And I found that tarot can be very useful in coaching in that way because, you know, sometimes clients don't know what they want to talk about in a session. And so you can always pull a card and be like, well, this card's about this theme. What what comes up for you, you know, and kind of get a conversation started? Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I use it in a heal in healing sessions, usually towards the end of the session, because I feel like it gives them um something tangible and something they can look at there's there's a lot in the picture that they can read into and and I and I can share my piece but I love asking like what else comes up for you what do you see in this and how do they really relate to each other do these two pictures and it's um our systems are designed to to read and feel into the picture already so it's it comes easier especially for some people and they're always fascinated <laughs> too. They're like, oh, this is exactly what I'm going through. And I'm like, yes, this is this is how it works. Um, and what would you say to someone who wants to answer their unique calling, but they haven't yet? Well, I would just say, um, you know, first of all, do you have an idea what it is? You know, where where are you at in your process? Um, because some people, they kind of know what it is they really feel drawn to do. And they just might not know how, or they might be dealing with some fear about what that entails or trying to figure out like, how am I gonna make a living doing this? Um, or, or just feeling like it's impossible. And some people are, are completely the other side where they just really have no idea what it is. They kind of feel like there is one, but they really don't know what it is. And for those people, you know, my thing is look, look at your life story. What keeps coming up for you? Because there are clues, there's little breadcrumbs scattered in your life story. So, you know, what did you want to do as a kid? What were you really fascinated with as a teen? What what do you keep coming back to? You know, maybe you have an interest in something, you keep revisiting it every year. What are those kind of themes that are coming up for you? Because there's probably a clue there. Yeah, yeah. And in supporting people in this quest, if you will, of spiritually aligning and answering their unique calling, what would you say are the, like the biggest um, stumbling blocks that you see. So the big, yeah, the biggest stumbling blocks are, um, you know, I talked about that personal narrative in human design and how it like makes people unable to see the potentials and the possibilities in the quantum field. I think people come with a lot of those to this work. Like I can't make a living doing spiritual work. People don't pay for spiritual work or it's wrong to charge for spiritual work. So those are big ones. You know, how am I going to pay the bills? People sometimes come to this work and they've got a mortgage and a car payment and all of these things because they've often already been successful in careers that aren't making them happy anymore. So there's a lot of, you know, how do I move from here to here without like losing the house and the car and all of these things? Um, so there's a lot of that. 
there's also a lot of fear because I really think that when we step into our calling, when we really like do that and we, we start to live as a role model, like people start to see us as, you know, I think there's a natural sort of wisdom and enlightenment that happens when we step into that. It's like a whole nother energetic vibration that occurs. And I think everyone who answers their calling ends up being in a position of leadership because they take on that role model position. And that's scary. Like I can remember the first few things that I led as a leader and I was terrified. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's scary to suddenly have people looking at you or up to you and looking for leadership for you. And there's a lot of aspects of leadership that people really struggle with, you know, having difficult conversations, being unpopular or making an unpopular converse, uh, um, decision, like all of those things bring a lot of fear with them. And I think those fears that, you know, people bring to like, how am I going to pay the bills? I don't, can I be a leader? Can I, am I going to let people down? All of those kinds of things are the biggest things that block people from doing it. Mm -hmm. And um, in doing what you're doing, what are you learning about yourself? Wow. What am I learning about myself? I am learning so much about myself from like the human design perspective. Um, you know, when I first came to human design, I, I looked at it from a software engineering point of view, and I had that very, a very left-brained understanding of human design. And as I've done this work more and more, the way I look at human design has really changed the way I look at what does human design do for you? What, you know, what, what's great about human design? And in particular, what is the beauty in the thing that makes us unique from one another? And so that's really changed for me. And then I also think just like as a coach and, you know, I've been a leader in the software industry. I've been a leader in the goddess spirituality community. And now like sort of answering my calling and being kind of a leader in that space. Um, I've learned a lot about leadership. I've learned a lot about guiding other people in being leaders in stepping into that role and getting comfortable with the different skills and aspects of being a leader. So that has had a huge impact on me because I think two years ago, if you'd asked me to teach leadership, I wouldn't have even known where to start. Like I know how to do it, but I didn't know how to teach it. And so that's really been a huge change for me. And I think just um, the way I talk about my spirituality has changed. And I think ideas that I've had in the past from reading things like um, The Nature of Personal Reality by Jane Roberts or How to Break the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Like I had an understanding of these concepts of like creating our own reality and manifesting and all of these things. But once I stepped into my calling and I started actively doing that every day, um, it really took on a different, whole different character for me. And it started to feel you know, it wasn't just something that I knew, it actually became something that I could do. And that was a big shift. And what does leadership mean to you in terms of, um, well, both from a female and male perspective, I'm thinking like, what does goddess leadership or God, leadership from a goddess point of view would mean also from a sacred masculinity point of view, what does it mean? 
Yeah, so I think um, I think the a balanced view of leadership that includes the feminine and the masculine means, um, you know, there's definitely a responsibility piece, and I think that's the masculine thing, like taking responsibility and um, ownership and being willing to sort of make hard decisions. Um, and then on the other side, I've always viewed leadership as being a facilitator, like you're there to bring out the best in the people that you're leading. And that's really your role as a leader is to, you know, remove the barriers that are keeping people from showing up as their best self. Um, and that's always how I view, like, even when I was a software engineering leader, I always viewed that with my team. I wanted to hire the best and, and smartest people and then like make it possible for them to do their greatest work. And I was okay with not being the smartest guy in the room. You know, lots of them knew way more than I did, but I was there to sort of get them all pulling in the same direction. And I still, I see spiritual leadership the same way because often, you know, it involves leading groups of people. Um, in communities or, or whatever. And so it's really about how do we get all the best talents together, let them show up as their best self and get them all pulling in the same direction, moving towards the same goal. And so on the masculine side, sometimes it's about making hard decisions and saying, no, we're not going to do that. That's not going to work well for the group. Um, sometimes it means pushing back. Um, on people outside of the group that are trying to interfere and sort of being that like um, interference runner or, you know, blocker for everyone that kind of keeps outside interference from, from getting in their way. And then on the sort of more feminine side, it's really about creating that consensus, creating that flow and kind of um, being supportive and encouraging as well. So there's a lot of elements of being a good leader. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious about, we talked a lot about human design <laughs> and there's a, a lot of offerings and people out there who do this with like different titles. There's personal human design, there's business human design. Some people talk about looking at like a year ahead. Where should someone who's curious about this start? And then what's next? How does it work? How do we get into this? <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a lot of different ways that you can start. Um, so the the number one way that I think to start is to, to learn about your type strategy, authority, and profile. So I call those the three keys of human design because they're really gonna address a lot of the key issues in your life. Um, you know, your type and strategy is going to tell you what your energetic type is and how to best like decide what to do. Your authority is going to sort of help you modify that to like, yeah, this might feel aligned and right for you to do, but is, is it the right timing? And those kind of help you align with divine timing. And then your profile deals with what your karma or your purpose in life is, whether it's, you know, transpersonal or interpersonal or just personal um, you know, whether you're, you're, you're going to learn the greatest lessons in life personally through like personal experience, or whether you're going to learn the greatest lessons in life through relationships and networks with other people. And so those three together really form like the key foundation of, of really understanding your design. And there's a couple of ways that you can go about exploring that. You can pull a free chart online and then just kind of research it. Um, that can be a little tedious. And of course, you don't always know if 
the person you're reading is really knows what they're talking about. You can take a class from any of the human design organizations or coaches or, or teachers out there, or you can do a human design reading from a human design consultant, and there are a lot of them out there. So a class is going to be, you know, they're going to paint with broader brushes. So you're going to learn all five types. And there's obviously they're going to spend less time talking about your type. And depending on if the class is interactive or self-paced, you may or may not be able to ask a lot of questions. In a reading, you're going to work one-on-one with someone and they're going to pull up your chart for you and really like guide you through like this is your type and strategy, this is your authority, this is your profile, and this is what they mean. And they're going to ask you things about like, how does that resonate for you? How, how have you, how has this shown up in your life or how have you experienced this and kind of be able to give you some additional insight. And that's really important because our human design is made up of two elements, two components. There's the, the conscious design and the unconscious design, which are calculated astrologically at birth and 88 days prior to birth. And sometimes people don't resonate immediately with their design because either they've been operating counter to their design so low, so long that they've created some like coping mechanisms or because part of their design is unconscious and they don't, and you know, because of the unconscious definition, they don't really like see themselves that way. And so having a one-on-one reading and being able to talk about those things can really be helpful if you're brand new to human design, because you're going to get a much deeper perspective and it's going to be, be more interactive. But any of those methods will get you the same, you know, will get you to that goal. It's just how quickly will you get there? How about from a business perspective? How does human design business readings work? Yeah, so in a human design business reading, what what we do, like, so I do a human design business reading as one of my offerings. And what I do is it's an hour long and I pull the person's chart and then we have a one-on-one Zoom call and we sort of talk about what are their challenges in their business. And then we talk about what their human design says about how they can sort of overcome those. So, you know, for instance, if someone's really having a hard time creating content and doing marketing, then we might look at the human design and look at like their throat center and like, how, is the throat center defined or undefined? Because that's going to really affect how they speak. And then if it's defined, what other centers are defining it? What other centers connecting to it? So like, if your throat is defined by your identity center, you're going to talk a lot about who you are and where you're going in life. And that's going to feel really aligned. And you're going to want to create content and lean into that. Talk about your experiences and, and who you are. If your throat's connected to your solar plexus, that's your emotional center. So you're going to talk about what you feel. Um, you know, And it's just it's really understanding all those different aspects of your design that, and how they can impact your business. And that's what we do in a business reading. And we'll go even deeper into like gates and channels or whatever we need to, to kind of address the challenges that the person's having. But the, the idea is to come up with some practical workable solutions to their struggles based on their design. Mm-hmm. How can people find out more about you, Julian? Yeah, so you can, people can visit my website at priestofinana.com and Inanna is I-N-A-N-N-A. So that's priestofinana.com for my website. Um, I also have my own podcast called Answer Your Unique Calling and they can find that on Google, Apple, Spotify, all the, all the major podcast networks. 
And I also am on Instagram under the ID Priest of Inanna as well. Yes. So, and you do um, human design readings for uh, personal readings as well as for business purposes, as well as you offer spiritual coaching. Um, so, and you also very generously offer a free 45 minute clarity call and i'll include all that <laughs> information as well as your website down below thank you so much this has been so much fun thank you for joining us is there anything you want to say to our listeners before we wrap up um just celebrate your uniqueness and because that's really what makes you you know um karen curry parker says you are the product of a once in a lifetime cosmic event and I totally believe that that's true. And so that's what makes your calling unique is all the ways that you are unique and wonderful and different. And so embrace that and celebrate it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Conversations with Healers. If this episode spoke to you in any way, please leave a review or comment, like or love it, and share it with others in your life. This is a true soul love project from my heart to yours. I really appreciate your help in spreading the word. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and check out other episodes to listen to some extraordinary healing stories and advice. Have a beautiful and wonderful day.